You're listening to the God Guns Liberty Podcast with J.C. Hall. Welcome to the God Guns Liberty Podcast. This is J.C. Hall. You can find this podcast at chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. Go to chrisannhall.com, follow uh, the podcast there, audio podcast you can follow. You can also find uh, links to the Rumble channel, and we stream on LinkedIn and Facebook uh, as well. You can also find our friend Jesse James of the Dangerous info podcast there at chrisannhall.com and the links to uh, his show. Lots of good stuff there, so make sure you check it out. If you're listening to this uh, on audio, uh, then make sure you find your way to chrisannhall.com to find uh, articles. You can also find blog posts from Chrisann and shows from Chrisann, videos from Chrisann, teachings and uh and then also our friend from breathe easy our friend rob uh writes some really uh, great articles at chrisannhall.com so make sure you go there check out all the stuff so in the news today a historic moment in the u.s house of representatives for the first time in u.s history we had a successful motion to vacate the speaker chair in the united states of america is without a Speaker of the House. The House of Representatives has no uh, official elected leader at this moment in the chamber. Kevin McCarthy was uh, was ousted, and uh, so so what's going on there? And people, you know, and now you see all the uh, all the sides aligning, and you know, Democrats here, and you know, the Republican uh, split, uh, or the nature of Portions or factions of the Republican Party is being made uh, evident, and so very interesting. Uh, interesting hearing all the arguments out there. So I wanted to give you a little background, a little education, a little information of what's going on, uh, what can we expect, what's happening, what does this mean, and uh, how, how should how should we how should we see and understand the arguments that are being made. So. What happened? What happened? Um, a motion to vacate was filed by Matt Gates, and a vote was held on that motion, and the vote was successful. Kevin McCarthy is gone. How do we get to the place where, as some would say, a single member uh, essentially is able to oust the Speaker of the House? Well, this has to do with a couple of things. One, the slim margins in the House of Representatives. So when we, you know, we had our uh, election, quote-unquote, air quotes, elections um, in the House, uh, we ended up with a rather slim margin between House Democrats and House Republicans. Uh, Republicans ended up with the majority, but the majority is uh, so slim that you, you essentially have a five-vote cushion. So, in other words, the Republicans cannot afford to lose uh, five members 
votes, right? Or you could say it like this, uh, get five or six members to, you know, imagine if you had all the Democrats and then five or six members of the Republican Party vote on something, uh, then it could pass with just, just, you know, those small number of Republicans uh, essentially dictating what's going on. And this, this is what happened in this case. Um, the other thing is, so slim margins, that's number one. How do we get their slim margins? So it only takes, only took five. Republicans can only afford to, to lose um, five votes in support of whatever they're trying to do. Uh, so basically you need practically every Republican to get anything done in the House. Number two, this has to do with the, because of the slim margins, right? And because that put the small number of Republicans in uh, a position that they could leverage that to force some concessions from uh, House leadership. So that's what happened, what we saw, you know, during the McCarthy vote to, to you know, you saw the, uh, all that it took to get McCarthy into the House Speaker chair in the first place because that small number of Republicans, um, you know, basically leveraged that to say you need our votes. Uh, and even to become House Speaker, you can't become House Speaker without our votes. And so they use that opportunity to leverage that for concessions out of Speaker McCarthy. So, you know, I remember on this show, we were trying to convey what was really going on. Everybody made it about you know, different things uh, that, and, and then said, oh, well, Matt Gates and this crowd cave because they finally let McCarthy be speaker. It wasn't about keeping McCarthy from being speaker back then. Total, everybody missed, I mean, not everybody, but so many conservatives just did not comprehend this. Uh, it wasn't about trying to keep McCarthy out at that time. It was trying to get concessions from him once he was put in as speaker. In other words, you will not be speaker unless you agree to these terms. And some of the and he agreed to many of those terms. One of those was to bring back the rule. And if you understand the House, the operations of the House are all about the House rules, which is pretty crazy. But they brought back the rule where that it only took one member, a single member, could file a motion to vacate. And so that's how we got here. We would not have been in a position to be able to oust the Speaker had it not been for that first go-around of forcing him into concessions. And one of those concessions was that uh, any single member could file a motion to vacate the chair. So, uh, weird, weird thing, the House was supposed to be in recess this last you know this week or what have you uh they were all supposed to be in their districts but it was kevin mccarthy himself that had you know basically called them into you know made them come to work you know they're in session so a weird sort of turn of events that mccarthy is responsible for kind of opening the door to his own demise so then as soon as you know as soon as they show up matt gates files his Motion to vacate the chair, which had to do with this most recent, or at least, you know, the, the narrative is it had to do with this most recent fight about the budget slash government shutdown, alleged government, uh, looming government shutdown. 
And um, what basically in that, uh, from the side of Matt Gates' camp, you know, these the conservatives, the, the, the Republicans of that type, the Democrats call the, you know, extremist. Um, so in that camp, the position was the Speaker of the House is an incredibly powerful position. Um, you have these slim margins where, you know, you, you can uh, force negotiation, cooperation, force concessions from the other side to be able to deal with the budget. Remember, the House holds the purse strings. Uh, Chris Ann has been teaching and arguing this uh, for a very long time, and everybody's saying, you're crazy. And, of course, we just saw uh, the power of holding the purse strings with basically uh, pulling the Secretary of Defense's paycheck and, you know, essentially, uh, in all practical purposes, firing him. But anyway, you had these promises from McCarthy of, uh, you know, wringing out negotiations with the budget from them and all this sorts of stuff. So uh, Matt Gates in that camp looked at looks at the uh, alleged looming government su- shutdown because the budget, you know, the, the date on the budget is going to run out. Right. They fund for a certain amount of time and then there's an expiration date essentially on the budget. Uh the clock hits zero, and no more funding is authorized. So then they have to keep, you know, you have to make a new budget. Um, but for years and 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 years, decades, uh, there's been no legit budget, no actual budget. They pass what they call continuing resolutions, which is kind of like everybody agrees we'll continue to fund the government at this level for a set amount of time. And so they sidestep the budget even when they do pass what they call a budget, it's not a budget. It's called an omnibus bill, which you just throw everything together, uh, pass it as a whole, and it doesn't go to the separate committees. I think there are like 12 uh, what's known as appropriations committees where these these committees are supposed to go through the budget, you know, and, and actually look at it uh, and decide what's, you know, what's supposed to be there, what's not. Instead, it's just everybody gets whatever they want. Omnibus bill, pass it, and the government just keeps spending, 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 spending. The government keeps expanding, expanding, expanding. And so that's what that's what's happened. That's been the routine. Uh, and and the rhinos love spending. The Democrats love spending. It's all about the spending. And so you have Matt Gates on that side saying, you know, hey, here's the opportunity for us to deal with this out of control spending, to really deal with what's at the heart. Of, of the thing that enables government to to tyrannize the people and just, just do all the crazy stuff that it does because uh, if you have the money to do it, they do it. If they don't have the money to do it, when you make this thing smaller, then it's less of a threat uh, to liberty and less of a threat to the American people. So this is what, this is what Matt Gates in that camp uh, is after, and they thought they had a guy with the concessions, or at least he made these promises. Kevin McCarthy is all about making promises to everybody. And uh, so he promised to do this. But in this last little bit, he says, no, we'll pass a continuing resolution for another 45 days. You know, we'll just we'll just keep spending like it is. And it is just apparently, according to the Gates camp, not interested in negotiating. He just wants to uh, just wants to keep spending and and, uh, you know, give give the uh, give the Democrats a blank check. Uh, 
So uh, Matt Gates and I think about eight of them said, all right, no, no more, and he filed the motion uh, to vacate. Now, another sort of twist, interesting twist, is you have 48 hours. So if I, he files the motion, you've got 48 hours uh, to get a vote on this thing. Well, McCarthy says, I'm not going to wait. Let's vote on it now. And, you know, when you when you look at all of the McCarthy camp and all that they were saying and all, you know, they're talking – they were very, very confident, almost arrogant that, well, there's no way they have the vote. There's no way you can vote Kevin McCarthy out. They're going to lose. So Kevin McCarthy moved immediately to have a vote on this thing. And, you know, we know how that happened. He lost. And another apparent, I don't know, confidence or arrogance or presumption was that the Democrats we're going to support McCarthy. So, you know, they were confident. There's no way this is going to be successful because, uh, you know, Matt Gates and his camp don't have enough uh, support in the Republican side. And then, you know, the Democrats aren't going to aren't going to uh, go with them either. You know, they they like McCarthy. They think McCarthy's somebody they can work with. And of course, he's making all these promises to them, which he breaks. Then he makes promises to the Republicans, which he breaks. So, for whatever reason, McCarthy assumed he had all this support on both sides, uh, and he didn't. And so, because you're dealing with, obviously with a Democrat side who's you know very radical, and they're they're very happy to you know disrupt anything and just roll the dice and see what happens. Because I mean, it, it, it's it's they have nothing to lose, right? Because Democrats just they're not in power in the House, so it doesn't really matter to them. Why should they support uh, McCarthy anyway? So these guys, Matt Gates and in that crowd, you know, we're in prime position to make this successful, uh, and they did. And, and, you know, with that Democrat presumption where McCarthy thought for some reason Democrats are going to support him, it's interesting that on the Democrat side, you're, you're dealing with, like, this is not business as usual. This is not the 90s. Uh, you know, it's not some sort of let's negotiate, let's get along. In, in the Democrat camp, I mean, most of those guys are so radical that they literally say, you know, the Republicans on that side uh, are are fascists. Like they, we're we're talking about, we're dealing with Nazis, and we're not going to support Nazis. I mean, they're they are that crazy. You know, this is how they see things. Many of them, and then the rest of them, of course, even if they don't see it that way, go along with the narrative. So it's fascinating how the Democrats will just just stand on principle. Uh, and vote or not vote uh, based on that. But with the Republicans, it's always, it's always sort of the calculation of politics, all about politics. You think of, um, in fact, I even heard somebody, the, the, the one guy that, uh, gosh, I forget his name, but the, the total Looney Tune uh, from New York uh, that, that has all these problems, you know, he's a Republican, but they, they won't get rid of this guy because, you know, we can't sank, we can't censure him, we can't sanction him, we, we're not going to do anything with him. And they sort of either explicitly or implicitly support this guy uh, because, you know, in their calculation, we just can't afford to lose that seat. We can't afford to give any ground uh, to the Democrats. So, and, and, you know, that may, be, that may be true from a political perspective. In fact, I guess that is true from a political perspective, but it seems like it's always like, no matter what it is, it's always a political calculation 
with most of these Republicans. It's never principle. It's never just, this is right, so we're going to do what's right. It's always power. And I get if you're not in power, then, you know, you can't move anything forward. But, you know, sometimes you just, you have to do what's right. And then doing what's right will you know, help you expand your your position in the future. Whereas when people see you always conniving and sacrificing principle, then it seems to me, even though you're saying, well, we have to do this because we have to stay in power, where you're undermining your power because you're undermining the support within your own base when they look at you like you're just a slimy, crooked Republican just like the other side. You don't care about the people. You don't care about principle. You don't have backbone. You don't stand up. It's always some negotiation, some political negotiation. So they they always say that, and you always hear that from the rhinos, and, and I think you'll hear that in the midst of this, you know, all the rhinos are turning against uh, Matt Gates and, and these Republicans because it's always that argument. We, you know, we can't get anything done. Uh, we don't have a speaker now. And we're trying to do the business of the people, da, 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 da. But, it, but most of it is business as usual, and they don't want to not spend, uh, you know, so they'll make that argument about, about this stuff. Well, you know, th- we have to, we can't afford to be divided and we have to, you know, we have to wield power and accomplish what we can while we can in, in you know, in, in the space we're given and the power we're given. You'll hear all of those arguments. And again, from a sort of pragmatic uh, perspective, if you just look at that surface argument, yeah, yeah, that's it. It's true. It is true on the surface. But the, the deeper problem is it just perpetuates the monster that is being created. They're not really doing the, the hard work, the unpopular work that needs to be done to shake up this beast and to, and to drain the abusive power, the tyrannical power. It's like they're not interested in doing the hard things. So then... You know, you see this small minority, a guy like Matt Gates and, and this small group of people, you know, they're going to be the bad guys. Most of your voters are eventually the pressure builds and they'll side with the rhinos. A majority of people are going to side with that. We got to get things done. This is just dividing the party. Uh, you're just you're just giving ground to the Democrats. You're giving them fuel. Uh, you, you're going to hear all of that because all the pressure will drive people to that that side. Uh, so it's really rare that somebody says, you know, I'm willing to risk my reputation. I'm, I'm willing to make things messy uh, because I'm here to do the hard work. I'm here to bring the li- bring to light the, the real problems and bring to light the real distinctions of people who really want to get down and dirty and do the hard things or those people who want to go, you know, just business as usual and compromise and pussyfoot with uh, with the other side like somehow we're in normal circumstances. Like you're not dealing with, you know, they think like it's the 90s and, you know, we're just taught, we, you know, we just want to get things done and get things done for our district and, you know, and, and, and get money into our district and, uh, you know, and fund the military and, and fund the police and, you know, all these sort of wrapping the flag uh, arguments, right? It's always some turd that they wrap in the in the stars and stripes, and 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 you know they get like veterans and everybody patriots, rah 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 rah, uh, cheering for some turd just because they wrap it in the flag. Uh, so you hear all that stuff. You'll hear all that uh, coming out, and and just constantly with the rhinos, 
uh, talking talking all this all this nonsense. So I, I think it's just it's being exposed uh, so that that we can see uh, who's who. But you know these guys uh, these guys are going to be in the minority. Uh, I think for sure. Uh, and, and as I said, you know, that, that perspective, like it's business as usual, like, as if you don't have people, you know, locked up in DC as political prisoners, as if you don't have you, a, an army of absolute insane, confused lunatics trying to devour our children, trying to destroy the nation. I mean, it's a strange. It's it's a it's a bizarre thing to me when I look at so many of these rhinos, and it's like they're out of time. It's like they're still stuck, you know. Like this is just this is just 1994. In fact, they worked harder in 19 like they fought the system harder in 1994 under Newt Gingrich and and those guys more so than a lot of these rhinos today. So it's very weird to me. We're we're in much more desperate straits now than we were in the Gingrich house uh, in that, you know, the house revolution, whatever, whatever you call it there. Like we're in much dire times now. So uh, how are all these rhinos less radical than the Gingrich Republicans were in 94? That's bizarre to me. How, why, why do we even have you there? Right. All you can, and you can take this to the bank. You're going to hear this all, all week. Right now, there's a, like there's like seven days where we know we're going to be without a House Speaker. They say they're going to vote next Wednesday, uh, and and so you're going to hear all this week. You're already hearing it. Uh, who who was I forget the uh, I should pull this up. One of the one of the Republicans uh, is target. They're already targeting Matt Gates. Let me let me pull this up. And we're talking about Republicans. Uh, so Representative Garrett Graves out of Louisiana. So he says the House of Representatives frozen because of clowns like Matt Gates. If we're going to continue to have clowns like Matt Gates as part of the Republican conference, as part of this Congress, listen to that, then you're going to have, uh, have to have rules in place that prevent him from doing his charade every single day. Week now, what is what is Matt Gates doing? What are they trying to prevent Matt Gates from doing? Matt Gates is trying to force Republicans to hold the line on government spending, right? Trying to shrink these this abusive overreach and excess spending because what what is sinking your future? What is what is crushing small business right now? What is crushing the middle class right now? You look at this inflation that's happening. Where does inflation come from? Inflation comes from government spending, pouring excess currency, like inflating the money supply, just ballooning, a ballooning debt, ballooning spending, right? This is like the number one thing that is absolutely destroying the country. So Mr. Conservative Republican Garrett Graves Representative, Republican representative from Louisiana says we must have rules to stop this. Now, I want you to think about that because I, I promise you, I don't know a lot about Mr. Graves, but I promise you being a Republican from Louisiana, I, I'm sure he ran on limited government and, and, and you know, uh, stopping the spending, blah, 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 all these conservative talking points. 
But when it comes to doing the hard, ugly work of making that happen, of forcing this conversation, of forcing these procedures to take place in the house, then he has to get rid of those who are trying to do it. And when he says we got to keep them as long as uh, people like this are part of Congress, what does that tell you? That that tells you that uh, their little conference and the, and the pack that's that's behind, you know with the Republican representatives uh, in the House are going to target Matt Gates and everybody with him. So you're talking about you're going to see these. Republicans, House Republicans, who believe in business as usual, are going to take all of the the finances, the donations, and the money that you give to them. Okay, this is this is your money. So all the donors out there donated to Mr. Graves and donated to uh, the House, the House PACs, and all this stuff to get House of Representatives elected. They're going to be spending your money to make sure, right? This Graves. And his, his guys are going to put money into Florida, which I believe ought to be illegal, by the way. Shouldn't be, if you're not in a state, you shouldn't be able to send money into this state to, to, to mess with elections, any state. But they're going to be doing that, taking your money to try to take out the ones who are trying to, trying to cut the spending and, and tackle the spending question and the expansion of government, right? That's Mr. Graves. So in other words, Mr. Graves is saying anybody who gets in the way of us Spending more money and expanding government, we gotta take that, we gotta take them out. We gotta make sure they're not part of Congress. Okay? So I want you to listen very closely to all these conversations. And um because, you know, we gotta get things done, da 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 da. And I tell you to my to my fellow veterans out there, you you hear all this you'll hear a lot of this talk from the the veteran members. Let me let me say to my fellow vet, veterans, you better stop voting based on identity politics. You see all these jack legs come up and, you know, with, with their medals and with their shiny little badges and wrap everything in the flag, and then you vote for them because of rah, 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 you know, rah, rah, veteran, rah, rah, war and, and soldiers and ah, Navy SEALs. And, it's a veteran. I'm a veteran. Let's vote for a veteran. And you vote for these idiots like the one down in Texas. And they just continue business as usual, just rhino to the core. Spin, 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 and do anything that big government wants to do. But I'm a veteran. I'm going to vote for a veteran. That's how stupid we are. Vote for the identity politics. All right, he's a Christian. I'm a Christian. Let's vote for the Christian. This is how they manipulate people. Republicans voting identity politics. You don't pay attention. You know what's the history of these guys? What are they saying? What are they really saying? Not not on the campaign trail, but. You know, looking into what is, what is this person about? Is anybody asking them tough questions? Are they giving tough answers? Or are they a bunch of frauds just trying to manipulate you and play you on emotions and, and you know, and ride their accolades, not diminishing whatever they did for the country, uh, you know, as a veteran or in the military, whatever. But th- that's got nothing to do with you being in the House of Representatives or, you know, being a representative of the people and, and, and doing your job. I get I get sick of that nonsense. You know, I'm a veteran. You can't talk to me like that. I mean, you hear, I've had politicians talk to us that way. Like, I'm a veteran. I'm a veteran, too. Shut up. Who cares? That's got nothing to do with nothing. So, you know, we're, I'm, I'm not, I mean, what are you, what are you doing? You're a, a Navy SEALs aren't elected. You don't elect Navy SEALs. You go through BUDS and, you, you know, do, that's how you become a Navy SEAL. So what does that have to do with being a house? Oh, I'm electing him because he's a Navy SEAL. What? What are you talking about? What does that have to do with anything? So you got to stop that stuff. You got to knock it off. We're always loyal to these these guys just because of some uh, some identification that that they manipulate you with. Give me a break. 
that's how we get here. So, so this is where we are. Um, first time, first time in history. And, uh, you know, and you're going to hear, you hear Democrat talking points like every time a government shutdown has happened in 30 years, it's been a Republican majority. It's been a Republican house. Well, duh, it's the Republicans who want to rein in the beast. Like Democrats are never going to want to do that. But if you find somebody who does want to do it, well, they're probably going to be in the Republican party. Right. But it's always, it's always some minority, uh, trying to deal with a bunch of rhinos who want to go along business as usual. So you saw this challenge with John Boehner. You saw this, uh, challenge with, with Paul Ryan. Uh, so, so it's, you know, it's, it's not unusual in that sense, uh, but this is the first time that it actually it actually stuck. So, uh, who's who's going to be speaker? Right, this is the question: Can Trump become speaker of the house? Right. So let let's let's get to that question: Can Trump become speaker of the house? I'm going to answer that. We're going to let you know. But first, let's take a quick break. Uh, Christian, take us on a take us on a break, and we'll come back. And answer that question, can Trump be Speaker of the House? I've got a voicemail on the church phone. The voicemail was from the New Mexico State Police. And the officer said that New Hope Revival Church is non-essential and must shut down. I knew I needed to connect with the sheriff. I knew it was the chief law enforcement of the region. Remembered. Uh, getting to attend a, a Chris Ann Hall seminar in Albuquerque. And, and she had talked about the, the, the Shire Reeves. And I said, listen, I want to know if you'll stand for God rights. And he looked me right in the eyes and he goes, Pastor, I will defend you even if it means I got to go to jail myself. Then, all righty then, we're back. We're back. So the question is, can Trump become House Speaker? Well, the answer is yes. Yes, he can. Absolutely. You do not have to be a sitting member of the House of Representatives to be Speaker of the House. They can, they can elect anybody. Um, so the answer is yes, he can. Now, will he? So procedurally, yes, that's possible. Politically, is it possible? Will it happen? Uh, I would say it's highly unlikely because, uh, you know, you'd have to get 218 of these people to say, yes, we want Trump. Uh, again, as I said before, m- many, if not most of these Republicans make their decisions based on political calculations. So some of the Republicans in the House, the House majority, uh, are in swing districts. Uh, you know, they're Republican in essentially a, a you know, a purple district that voted for Biden. So you have a couple of these folks that they, they would have to, they would have to decide, you know, what they're going to do in that circumstance. So I don't think Trump as Speaker of the House uh, is likely, but it will certainly be historic <laughs> and it would be uh, just, you know, just another, Another point on the crazy times that we've been living in uh, for the last several years. Would I like to see it? I would love to see it just, if not just for the entertainment value. I mean, we've seen Trump as president. That was 
uh, amazingly entertaining. You want to see uh, the Democrats from sea to shining sea lose their ever-loving mind, uh, make Donald Trump Speaker of the House, uh, then elect him as president right after that. I, I mean, I'm telling you, uh, I, I think probably every Democrat in America would launch themselves into space, never to return, uh, which, which you know, you, some might say is not a bad thing, um, but not likely. So who who is likely to become Speaker of the House. Christian, can you go back to that graphic uh, where, it, where it shows the, the House leadership and the makeup, that list that I put up there, that, that picture? Are you up there? Yeah. So if, if, you look at, if you look at that, you'll see, you see kind of the makeup and breakdown of the leadership uh, where we're at now. So obviously we had Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy, uh, who is, is gone. So right now... Uh, Patrick McHenry, McHenry, Patrick McHenry, not Patrick Henry, but Patrick McHenry, uh, which I think is from South Carolina, one of the Carolinas. Uh, he is speaker pro tempore. What does that mean? He's he's essentially the uh, the um, temporary speaker of the house. But the problem with that. He's limited in his functions. So when you speak of the House, very powerful. The House of Representatives is, is very partisan. So the majority does whatever they want. Uh, and the Democrats, you know, theoretically, the Democrats, you know, sh- shouldn't be able to do pretty much anything uh, if you if you have the majority. Now, you can negotiate and throw them a bone and allow them to do stuff, whatever. Um, I don't know why you would do that at this point how radical the Democrat Party has become, but that happens. So, um, but when you talk about the Speaker of the House, why why is the Speaker of the House position so so powerful in the House of Representatives? One of the main reasons is the elected Speaker of the House gets to decide uh, what bills will be heard. So, you know, if, if the Republicans are in control, you're, you know, theoretically, you get Republican legislation. That's it. You know, there's no reason... Uh, that there has to be Democrat legislation that, that comes out of the House. I mean, you can go through that with no Democrat legislation whatsoever. Um, the speaker, because the speaker has the power to say what gets heard and what doesn't get heard, and never even see the floor uh, unless he allows it. Now, the speaker pro tempore does not have that power, so he really doesn't have authority in in legislative matters. Pretty much he just has authority in parliamentary matters. So he's just going to sit there and bang the gavel and, you know, run uh, the thing that's happening. And only certain things can happen uh, when you don't have an elected speaker. So you're not going to see any legislative work. Uh, you know, you can't – no committee hearings. Um, you know, so you really can't do regular business as uh, usual just under the temporary uh, speaker. So you notice there the majority leader – uh, is Steve Scalise, and then you have a whip, which is Tom Emmer. The whip is kind of like the manager. He's the one that makes everything go, goes around and visits members to get, you know, see what their support is or or talk them into supporting some particular bill. Um, and then you have the conference chairs and, and, and uh, policy committee chairs, uh, those things. So that's kind of the leadership uh, structure. Remember, how, the Speaker of the House is third in line to the president. If something happens to the president, vice president, boom, Speaker's third in line. So very, very powerful 
position. So the top position under under him would be uh, the majority leader. In this case, is Steve Scalise. So Steve Scalise ha- is um, uh, what shall you call it? Campaigning. Uh, he he's going around and talking to members, trying to get support to be the new Speaker of the House. So that's one individual who's thrown his hat in the ring. Uh, Kevin McCarthy said he's not going to pursue the seat again, so he's done. That's it. Bye-bye, Kevin McCarthy. That's that's history at this point. Uh, so Steve Scalise has thrown his hat in the ring, as well as Jim Jordan from Ohio. Uh, I think everybody's everybody out there is pretty well familiar with Jim Jordan. You see him sit on these committees and, you know, uh, going at the Democrats and whatnot. He does a really good job at conducting the committees. He does a really good job at uh, sort of making the arguments, uh, you know, when, when he has has the seat there and has the, the microphone um, for what for what that's worth. Uh, so you have those two uh, are kind of your main, uh, main guys in, let's say, competition for Speaker of the House, Steve Scalise or Jim Jordan. Now, Representative Andy Harris out of Maryland has floated the suggestion that Byron Donalds from Florida should be considered for Speaker of the House. I, I don't know, I don't know, um, you know, the the level of support for that. One thing about the House is it really works on the seniority thing. So they're really, really kind of big on seniority. So then, in my mind, Byron Donalds is amazing. And as far as qualifications and ability, you know, he would he would absolutely be an amazing choice, in my opinion. I mean, I think he'd be an amazing choice for governor, amazing choice for president, whatever. I'm t- I'm 100 percent. Uh, I support Byron Donalds 100 percent. Everything that I know uh, about Byron Donalds, uh, I, I support. Now, people can make criticisms. There, there are some things people could say. I know a lot of the inside behind some of these criticisms. And I can I can say personally, uh, even the things that have been floated that are criticism, I personally looked into, found out what they're actually about, and I and I say I have no doubt about Byron Donalds. I don't que- I I have no questions about him. I have no concerns about him. I 100 uh, percent support Byron Donalds. But with the seniority thing and knowing historically how that functions in the House. Uh, you know, I would say under normal circumstances that's not likely. But at the same time, we're not in we're not under normal circumstances. You see the vacation of the chair, vacate the chair. You know, first time in U.S. history. So could we have a first time where you know essentially a new guy uh, would jump into a, what normally they'd look at as a more senior a senior position or something? Uh, you, you know, more uh, deserving as far as blah, 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 whatever, whatever they come up with. And I, so I think it would be hard for Byron to jump over Jim Jordan unless unless Jim Jordan were sort of to say, okay, I'll make way. Um, so I, I don't see that because another thing, when you talk about that seniority and then you, you jump over people, uh, you're looking at rep- reprisals, right? Uh, they're they're gonna they're very sort of vindictive and 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 petty and catty uh, in this place. The House of Representatives is a rough and tumble, rough and tumble chamber, where the Senate you have to be more bipartisan. The Senate is slower. The Senate is more you know mild mannered operations over there. The House is not like that. The House is cutthroat. Knives are out. 
uh, and, and serious business. So you can come back to me, uh, Christian, off of that, uh, off of that graphic. So it just gives, gives, gives you a picture of how that's, that's laid out. Um, Scalise, I think, is meeting with the delegation in Texas, uh, trying to whip up support from the Texas delegation. Why Texas? Because that's the largest House delegation with 25 members in their caucus. Um, so he's he'll be uh, he'll be meeting with those and trying to whip up support. Um, others, some others have said, you know, they're they're waiting to see. They'll hear everybody's case, you know, and give everybody consideration. And some have said that um, Patrick McHenry could be in that position for a while. Now, the thing about that is the longer we go without an elected House Speaker, the closer we get to that 45-day deadline on the continuing resolution for the budget. In other words, we are quickly approaching another government shutdown you know, time. That's normally just theater over and over and over again. We go through this government shutdown nonsense and and traditionally it's just been theater uh it's been meaningless uh, i i don't you know it they always get to the point where something is negotiated and then they end up spending more of your money i i guess that's what matt gates and crew are trying to change so it's not just theater so they don't just continue business as usual and they don't just come out the other side of this thing and just keep spending your money after you know everybody was oh my gosh the government is going to shut down and, and they get everybody freaking out uh, only to get to the point where we keep doing the same thing we've always been doing so i i don't know if that's going to end up being any different i don't i don't have a lot of confidence um now i i wasn't really confident that they were going to vacate the chair but here we are um so I don't have a lot of confidence that something is going to be accomplished in another looming government shutdown. On the other hand, if you have a different speaker uh, and the threat of vacating the chair has proved to be real, maybe that makes a difference. Now, maybe they can just go change the rules in the meantime and then, and then you know, get, rid of, get rid of the threat. Who knows uh, what's going to be happening? But anyway, I hope it gets gives that gives you a little understanding, insight, the slim margins, and the um, compromise put Matt Gates and that small number of Republicans in the position to make this happen. Matt Gates filed the motion to vacate at a time where Kevin McCarthy called them into session when they shouldn't have been in session. Kevin McCarthy quickly moves to a vote, apparently thinking there's no way this is going to uh, going to succeed, and Matt, you know, he's going to make Matt Gates uh, foolish. Some would say, you know, maybe Kevin McCarthy was looking for a way out, an easy way to quit. Who knows? Maybe I don't think so, but maybe because um, it is strange. He called him in, and then he called a quick vote. Who knows? Uh, I think the arrogance more likely is more likely that he he you know he just thought there's no way it's going to succeed, and he's going to finally you know, get enough support to take Matt Gates down and get rid of these guys. Um, and, and maybe that works in that direction anyway, but he's gone. So I don't know. So they take him out. It's a 45-day continuing resolution. You're at least another week without a House Speaker. Can't do regular business. Um, get you closer to 45 days. We don't know how long the whole voting thing, that took like a week last time. So we could be two weeks into 
the 45 day period, the clock's ticking on another government shutdown, then you got to get the next leadership in there and begin those negotiations again uh, to figure out what you're going to do. So that that window is closing very, very quickly, um, getting to another another government shutdown uh, moment. I think that's kind of the biggest the biggest takeaway. So we'll see in the next little while who who's going to end up being the guy. Steve Scalise, Jim Jordan, Byron Donalds, Donald Trump, um, or somebody else. We'll see how it goes, and then we'll see how they handle the spending issue coming out of that. We'll see. Do they really have an appetite to rein in federal spending? Um, my gut tells me no, because it's still a vast majority. If you're talking eight, eight Republicans, then how many? How many does that leave? Two hundred and ten who still have an appetite for bloated government spending. So we shall see what a small minority of committed conservatives can actually accomplish. We'll find out in the next 45 to 60 days. Going to be interesting. All right, this is JC, God Gums Liberty Podcast. I'm out. You're listening to the God Guns Liberty Podcast with J.C. Holmes.